0: Hey, it's me, that little bottle of hand sanitizer you've been carrying around. Now, I'm flattered that you look to me to help save your life. And actually, I have a recommendation for something that could improve your quality of life. It's listening to more episodes of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, let's just address that yes, JK Rowling was back on her bullshit again. She posted this explanation behind her anti-trans comments, and it wasn't great. And I have talked about this on social media a decent amount about why it isn't great, and why I think she is in the wrong, and I retweeted a really solid thread that went point by point as to why certain aspects of her statement were harmful or misleading or just straight-up incorrect. Basically, even if she doesn't mean to do so, her words and the things that she's putting out there into the open are needlessly putting down the trans and non-binary communities, and that's not what the Harry Potter community is about. I will not stand for this. I will continue to call her out, and if she shows the capacity to learn and to want to learn, we can welcome her back in with open arms. But the fact that she posted a statement that didn't allow for comments and never apologized for anything that she did or admitted any sort of fault makes me think she's not really willing to do so. So I'll wait until she wants to learn, but until then... We just don't need her, and we don't have to worry about her, and we instead should focus on putting positive things into this community and into the world. So speaking of that, I've put something together for the Potterless community that I think can enact a lot of good into the world and have a lot of fun while we do so, and that is the Potterless Donation Duels. We'll be doing a couple weekly donation challenges where there will be one charity that we donate to, and for every dollar that you donate, that is one vote for a head-to-head duel. The first one, of course, is Put Outer versus Illuminator, and the charity we'll be supporting is the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Here's how it all breaks down. Go to marshaap.org slash donate. Every dollar that you donate is one vote. Email a screenshot of your donation to potterlessdonationduels at gmail.com with the subject line PDD1, and then whichever you're voting for, and then the amount that you're donating. I will be matching up to $1,000, and yes, I will be voting Put Outer every single time. This duel ends on June 21st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Time, and the winner will be recognized by me and by Potterless as the official canon name. So you can settle the Put Out Her illuminator Deluminator debate by donating to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. If you want to see more, I've posted about this on all of the Potterless social medias with more information about the whole situation. I'm very excited about it, and I think it's going to be a very fun way to fundraise and learn about good charities and support them along the way. And speaking of support, we have a lot of people supporting this podcast and keeping it going, and those are our patrons, and we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Victoria Percarse. Tristan, Michaela Steris, Albus Buckbeak Potter, Alexandria Atkins, Michaela Fortune, Anne Clara Lepac, Moritz, Alexander Brandy, Rachel Bickert, and Elizabeth George. A huge shout out to Robin Garcia, who upgraded to the producer level status, as well as our new producer level patrons, Chick Parm, Mermaid and Her Daddykins, Aaron Uggs, and someone that made their name not my daughter, You biatch, And yes, they made it biatch. They joined the ranks of Vicky, Aaron Clown, Merchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemary, Maria, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Haley, Alex, John Noel, Liz, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Summer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addy, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Eileen, Keegan, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Skyla, Edel, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Elizabeth, Michael, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcos, Courtney, Marique, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Jenny, McKenna, Heather, Brad, Thomas, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Yarl, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jen, and Callahan, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Elizabeth, Britt, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, Tyron, Money, Madison, Kyle, Tongs, G.K., Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Matt, O'K- Hime, Yimki Bony Pony Jacob Kelsey, Taco, Bluffish, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Colleen, Laurel, Rossanne, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Richard, Sandra, Craig, Andren, K, Steve, Leor, Angela, Julia, Demi, Kelsey, Michael, Danae, Michelle, Callista, Kringle, Lovkesh, Jennifer, Crystal, Henrika, Jeremy, Delkis, Katrina, jerrica Michelle, Casey, Megan, a thousand sat, Serenity, Jack, Sophia, Matthew, Dane, Rochelle, Kirsty, Steamed Nuggets, and Kerata. Who never pushed the wrong button on their washing machine? And of course it's one of those washing machines where once you choose the cycle, that's it, there's no going back. If you want to be like one of these Amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, monthly live streams where I do Q&As and such, you can head on over to patreon.com slash potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 130 of Potterless covering the second part of act two of A Very Potter Musical, guest starring Dr. Hannah McGregor. And welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who didn't read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He did as an adult, he watched and read a bunch of other things, and now he's getting on to a Harry Potter musical because literally thousands of people told him to do so. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined today by someone who is not necessarily a fan of a Harry Potter musical, but I'm doing my darndest to make her like it a little bit more. It's Dr. Hannah McGregor. Hannah, how's it going?
1: Oh, you know what? I'm having a really good time listening to you describe the things that you found funny.
0: (laughs) If you can walk away appreciating just a little bit more of the musical, I'll feel like I've done all of my listeners a service.
1: I think I might walk away feeling like charmed by your capacity to be entertained by very low hanging fruit jokes, <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to like the musical more.
0: If the if the output of this is that you lose respect, whatever respect you had for me, <laughs>
1: oh. so be it. So let's
0: just get right back into the remaining bits of the second act of a Harry Potter musical. When we last left our heroes, Dumbledore died and Harry sang a song about it and then Coral joined in. So now the Death Eaters tell Voldemort that Dumbledore is dead and the Death Eaters have control of Hogwarts Castle. After that, Ginny comes in to talk to Harry. He feels alone, so she sings a song to try to cheer him up. I felt the same way about this song as the other time Ginny sang, which was the lyrics are fine, but her singing ability is very strong. I think she's a very talented singer. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't appreciate it as much at first, but... Then it becomes very soulful and has some serious Amy Winehouse vibes. And then everyone starts joining in, mm. and I really, really liked it. So Darren Chris joins in, and he starts really getting into it, which I appreciated. And then Ron and Hermione come in, and they all join in. And I legitimately choked up when it happened. I thought it was very solid. And they end it by doing all these harmonies and stuff. Maybe I'm just a sucker because I'm so bad at singing, and I could never do anything close to any of this, but I found. This to be the most impressive song of the musical.
1: It's also one of the songs that has some sort of built-in musical jokes, which I really enjoy as well. Like they are doing this really soulful song, but then they get a little bit sort of parodic in terms of uh, the riffs that they're doing, and then like yes. referencing the riffs that they had been doing. <laughs> like it, it was a little bit silly in a way that I enjoyed because I do find sometimes the songs are less funny than they could be.
0: Speaking of addressing the songs and stuff, right after they finish this song, Hermione goes, all right, now that we got that four-part harmony out of the way, why don't we find the Horcrux? Yeah, right, it's cute. (laughs) It's very cute. So they try to figure out where the Horcrux could be. Ron has these wild suggestions where he's saying, if I had a Horcrux, I'd hide it under the ocean, or whatever. (laughs) Hermione then, which this is, I think, potentially one of the strongest jokes in it. And again, it's what we've been saying is good. Referential of Harry Potter very quick is Hermione lays out a theory of where it could be. And she just describes the plot of book seven Mm -hmm. where she's like, maybe it's out in the English countryside. And we spend many weeks camping and looking for it. And then Harry just goes, well, the medallion says that's dumb. So we're not going to do that. (laughs) I did really enjoy the joke, the medallion says that's dumb. (laughs) It's really solid. I'm telling you, you're going to love Puffs. (laughs) Okay. The necklace, as they listen to it, says that it's going to be in Dumbledore's office. So Ginny reveals that Draco is the one who helped her out getting in and out of the castle, and he's nice now. So Draco comes in, compliments the song, which I was like, okay, we've made the joke of acknowledging that they were singing a little bit more. And then it gets too far with the breaking of the fourth wall because Draco says that they were backstage. Then Draco says that they could have joined in in the song. Then Draco does a little bit of a riff. It started this trend of so many fourth wall breaks right in a row where I was like, okay, can we make a different type of joke?
1: Yeah, yeah, we need a different kind of joke. I like the joke of Draco would like to join into the harmonies. I think that's, a, again, a sort of sweet way of, of signaling the fact that Draco wants to be part of this friendship and the way that the friendship is being expressed via singing in four-part harmony. And he's like, mm-hmm. I could also put a harmony in there. And they're like, no, thank you. Like, that is cute. You're right. It is piled under too many sort of tongue-in-cheek, self-referential fourth-wall-breaking jokes that you sort of lose the joke itself.
0: Right. And it's the point you made in the last episode that if you keep breaking down the fourth wall too much, it doesn't become funny anymore. You have to give us time for that fourth wall to build up again. Yeah. But addressing what you're saying with Draco wanting to be a part of the group, there is a great line where Draco says, could you argue this was my fault? And they just go, yes. (laughs) So they decide that the boys are going to go into Dumbledore's office and the girls are going to round up the Order of the Phoenix. Again, it's another fourth wall joke where Hermione says, we haven't seen them the whole play. It's like, okay, we get it. It's a play. We're watching the play. Ron then asks to talk to Hermione. Again, another fourth wall joke where he says, come downstage, Hermione. It's just... It's just too much. Like, all back to back, it's not funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. Nobody told the people who made this musical that sometimes less is more. Yeah, yeah,
0: So Ron apologizes. They kiss, but then apparently Hermione's breath is too bad. So he has the uh, candy spray, which I just appreciated that they were getting some more obscure candies in the mix. I thought that was nice. Okay. As someone that never got to really eat a lot of candy growing up, I always had this admiration for things like fun dip and pixie sticks and sour punch straws that my parents never let me got. And then recently I had a pixie stick when I did a live show with Fanatical Fix. Pixie sticks are f- gross. Yeah, of course. You're an adult. You're not supposed to be eating <laughs> pixie sticks. I'm pretty sure they're just ground up sweet tarts and no one enjoys sweet tarts.
1: Yeah, no, they're they're not good. You, This is your adult body can't handle a pixie stick. You shouldn't have put it in there.
0: <laughs> I would like to retroactively forgive my mother and say that I appreciate her for not letting me eat pixie sticks as an eight-year-old because those things are atrocious
1: no you would have loved them as an eight-year-old that's exactly when you should eat a pixie stick oh
0: uh, but v- what are you putting in your body
1: <laughs> just, just straight poison <laughs> obviously <laughs>
0: So then he puts two pieces of gum in her mouth. They have this very awkward, over-the-top makeout, which I didn't think was that great. There's a bunch of groaning and stuff. He turns into a caveman type. I did not appreciate I or enjoy this. This it,
1: scene so much.
0: It was so collegey, and I was over it the minute it started.
1: Yeah, collegey is a great way of describing it.
0: <laughs> so then they show the boys going into Dumbledore's office. The Zac Efron picture falls. And at first, it looked like it was unplanned and then they just improv around it. But then the painting becomes an important prop. So I don't know. This is, again, going on my list of things to ask the people making this because if it was unplanned, very impressive. But on the other hand, if it was left on the way where it wasn't stuck very well to the wall so it would fall very quickly after the lights
1: turned on also very impressive absolutely this joke in general like the revelation that the poster is a horcrux was handled very well in terms of stage business yes like I found it to be one of the funnier visual jokes I agree I
0: agree so it falls they start checking everything in the office with the necklace they realize that it's the Zac Efron painting and then when they actually start to approach, ...approach it to try to kill it with the sword... ...the head of the Zac Efron framed picture pops out, and then the Voldemort character runs on stage to put his head through it. So it's very much like the locket. And yeah, this is the perfect kind of low-budget humor of the play that works really well. So he pops his head in, then it continues to do the locket thing in Book 7, where Hermione, or a fake Hermione, starts talking to Ron about how much she likes Harry. So then the Hermione character runs in and sticks her head through it. Mm -hmm. So I think this was a very good thing. Eventually, Ron comes to his senses and destroys the painting and they're playing this very dramatic music. And then one more time, he just boops it with the sword. And then the piano guy just hits a singular doom, which I thought was nice.
1: (laughs) Yep. The visual humor of them sticking their heads through this poster is like you said, like perfect low budget visual gag, very pleasing, very simple, very high return on effort. The joke, when the poster becomes Hermione and it's that version of like the sort of evil Hermione, messing with Ron. That joke has the laziest, most punched down fat joke in it, and it's absolute garbage.
0: Oh, did I miss it? What did she say?
1: She says that she's going to lose weight for Harry because she actually cares about him.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I must have completely missed that joke because that's not great.
1: It's trash.
0: The other thing that I didn't understand about why they made fat jokes about Hermione throughout is that uh, that's not a thing in the book at all. So I don't know why you are going out of your way to take a character that has never been described that way and then decide, Oh, you know, it would be funny if we called Hermione fat
1: again. Like this is something that has been written by a bunch of men. What are the jokes that are about women? It's calling them fat and it's calling them bitches.
0: Yeah. Uh, darn it. That does <laughs> suck. Yeah. God <Gah. laughs> <laughs> darn it. Indeed. <laughs> So then there's an I love you moment for Ron and Harry. And they are gagging as they show their emotions. I think this is a better joke of teenage boys being afraid of their feelings. And then there's another great thing where Draco tries to join in on the hug and they push Draco aside, which I think is great. The third wheeling, fifth wheeling Draco jokes land very well, I think, especially because of how solid the portrayal of Draco is by Lauren Lopez. I thought she was a delight as Draco.
1: She's so strong and she manages to make all of those little scenes remarkably funny just with her physical.
0: Yeah. Facial expressions and body language are enough to make Draco one of the funniest characters in the play without any of the lines that are also very funny. Yep. So Bellatrix then comes in at volume 37 and a half and has the girls hostage. So Snape enters, Harry calls him a traitor, and then Snape says, I am a traitor, but not for who you think. And then shanks the Death Eater, gets into a fight with Bellatrix. He does a bat bogey hex to a Death Eater who then just starts flapping like a bat, which I think is very fun. Again, when they do the low-budget renditions of spells, it's good. But then an example of it that I didn't think worked very well is that Bellatrix does some spell that makes a snake bite Snape's dick. Such a dumb joke. It was like Serpententia or something. I just This is the kind of thing where... It would have been funnier. What makes the bat bogey hex joke funny is that it's in the book and then you've changed what it does. I feel like you could have done something else. Again, the joke is, oh, he got bit in the dick and Mm -hmm. that's the joke. That's it. And then he screams my wiener, which, okay. Okay. I don't know. Correct. Your response to this (laughs) joke is correct. (laughs) It's a shame, especially because I really, I don't know if they like wrote act one and then took a break and then rushed to do act two. It felt like I watched two different plays when I was preparing for these episodes of Potter LS. less. I really enjoyed the humor in Act 1 and it just felt like Act 2 was so much more crude. And maybe it's like you're saying that it was less song-based so they just had more of it. And it was just by quantity of the jokes I realized it more and they were more diluted throughout the first act. But it just didn't feel like this was the same vibe of the first act of the play.
1: Yeah, I suspect it's that you can just notice it more because you've got fewer songs to distract you.
0: So Molly then enters, kills Bellatrix. This is the one time saying bitch is okay because it's a reference from the book, right? Mm-hmm. Is this okay? This is okay? This
1: is fine. <laughs> okay.
0: And then Ron runs over, very proud of Molly, but then says, I thought you were gonna tuck in her shirt or make her do the dishes. Good little mom joke in there. But then Molly does the clap in the ear thing, which I already talked about in the first episode that I don't enjoy that that was a thing. That's how the Weasleys show displeasure with each other as they clap in their faces. Yeah, I don't know. Was that ever a thing for you? I've never seen this before.
1: I don't like it. It seems to me like they're trying to do some version of like a stage slap Right. that it's supposed to be at least a reference to physical violence and I don't think that it's funny.
0: Yeah, I don't find physical abuse fake or otherwise necessary or funny
1: it's not funny you know what is funny is the version of disapparating and apparating that they do i know that this is already just a joke from act (laughs) one and it's used better in act one but i just want to acknowledge that in terms of (laughs) Bad stagecraft representing spells. That is my favorite one that they just scream
0: to (laughs) separate and walk through a door. It reminds me of, I was in a production of a Midsummer Night's Dream when I was in college. And you can find it on YouTube. If you Google Rice University Midsummer Night's Dream, they actually did a really cool video of it. What was fun is we did it outside and there's this big tree on campus and they built the stage around the tree. I was the wall. Tom Snout, I think his name is. For all the Shakespeare heads out there. <laughs> but, but one of my favorite things that was not supposed to be a joke, but I could not help but laugh every time it happened is that my friend Michael played the role of Oberon and he's a fairy of sorts. He's the fairy king, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's times where he turns invisible and the scene happens and he's just on stage, but no one can see him. Mm-hmm. And how it's legitimately written in the script is that he just says, I am invisible out loud, and I just thought it was the funniest thing, but it's not supposed to be funny. It's just how they're doing it. But I just appreciate that for this, when you can't do the magic, They just go the other direction and say, we're just going to make this look as bad as possible Mm -hmm. and bring as much attention to it as humanly possible. And I think it works very well. Agreed. So they ask Molly what she's doing here. She says she was fighting with the order. And a great little joke is that she starts naming all of the order members that she was fighting with. And she only lists the names of the ones that die. (laughs) And it's hilarious. (laughs) Especially because she could have named other people, but specifically she's like, yeah, I was here with Sirius, Lubin, Tonks, and your brother Fred.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They are all dead now.
0: (laughs) So then we learn that Snape's dick bite from a snake is poisonous because why not? Yeah, fair enough. So as Snape is dying, he reveals that there is another Horcrux. Another great high school musical reference, I know you don't appreciate it, but I do, is Ron goes, I really hope it's not an Ashley Tisdale poster. I don't know that I could deal with that. So Snape has Harry give the medallion to Hermione, Mm -hmm. and then she holds it up to Harry, revealing that Harry is the Horcrux. And Snape then goes, I'll show you what you need to do. Watch very carefully, and then he dies. (laughs) Which, great timing. And then Malfoy very astutely points out he didn't do anything. And Harry says, that's because he's dead, you dumb mother, and then doesn't finish it. And then this, much like the string of fourth wall jokes, this joke... Starts a string of jokes where the whole joke is that they cursed. And I've never found that brand of humor funny. I think what sucks here is that all of these individually, there's some that could have been very funny, but I didn't find as funny because they were preceded by a couple other jokes where the whole joke was, oh, they said the F
1: word. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing, right? It's that had you been a little bit more restrained with your humor and done it that one time and then moved on. It might have been funny, but the repetition of the same joke three times, it's not always the secret to making it funnier. It is such
0: a college thing to do as well, just to say, oh, how are we going to punch up this joke? Curse. That's the easy solution. Mm -hmm. So I understand why they did it. I think it would have been nice as if they took the script and then highlighted jokes and then made a different color for why things are funny. They would have seen, oh, we've made the same type of joke five times in the past five minutes.
1: Yeah. Again, a few more edits. 100%.
0: So then we have the Voldemort talking to everybody in Hogwarts magic scene. And a fun little bit is he goes, he does the man, woman, and child line from the books. And when he says man, Ron gasps. When he says woman, Hermione gasps. And when he says child, Draco gasps. Love the jokes where they just point out that Draco is very childish in this play. Diaper joke aside.
1: Diaper joke aside. That was cute. It was a cute little bit of business. I like the general references to the unclear ages of the character. Harry at one point (laughs) refers to himself as just being a 12 year old boy. So Voldemort to
0: end this little speech says Voldemort out bitches, which is the most 2009 thing you could do where that's just a thing I guess people would say. And it's not funny. And it's just there for a pity laugh at best. It just—it it does. We don't need this. It's not doing anything. Mm-mm. So Harry's talking to everyone, realizes that he has to die because mm-hmm. he's the last Horcrux we have to defeat Voldemort, etc. He is not budging from his position tells everyone I love you all, except you, Draco, I can't fucking stand you. And this is the joke I think would have been so funny if there weren't a bunch of curse word jokes around it. If the only time that someone said the F word in the play was this line, I think that would have landed so well. 100. So Harry then approaches Voldemort and Voldemort immediately crucios him twice and then Avada cadavers him right after. And the Death Eaters start going, Voldy, Voldy, Voldy. Which I I love when people are calling people nicknames because it never happens in the books. And I always type people out as nicknames in my notes. So I think this is a fun little bit. And Voldemort starts to come back to the type of Voldemort joke that I enjoy, which is him being a person with feelings. And they ask him how he's feeling. And he says, I don't know. I just thought it'd make me feel less empty inside. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: So then we get into the afterlife Dumbledore scene. He cuts straight to the chase. And when Harry is about to leave, he says, oh, Dumbledore, you're clairvoyant. Can you tell me how lost ends? And Dumbledore replies, there are some questions that even I can't answer. Now, I didn't. Watch Lost all the way through. I don't know if you did. In 2009, was Lost done? So was the joke that the ending was so bad? Or was it in the middle of Lost getting really hectic? I'm not sure of the Lost timeline.
1: Unclear. Uh, This joke made me want to leap straight into a volcano. Whoa, why? Why, why, why? Uh, Because it's so, it's just so... 2009 <laughs> yeah like it's not okay I'm looking right here uh, lost ended in 2010 oh, so this so would have been before. right in the heart of speculating about how it was going to conclude
0: Oh, uh, so before it was bad my understanding of lost is that it had such a great setup for what the ending was going to be and then the writer's strike happened and then the ending was bad and there's a polar bear and a smoke
1: monster somehow involved I think the joke here is that there was a huge amount of sort of fan speculation about what the ending was going to be got it um, and like online theories everywhere about like what was actually happening i think part of why the ending was so weak is that uh the fan theories were so spot on that the show creators changed oh
0: they did the premise
1: because they didn't want the want it to be exactly what the fans had hypothesized that it was i think that's part of why it got so weird at the end anyway this is just one of those jokes that like the whole joke is a thing that is happening Like, Lost, you've heard of that? I'm like, this isn't a joke. It's just a reference to a thing that exists. Yes.
0: I can understand what they were going for. I didn't find it particularly hilarious. And I didn't watch Lost, so it didn't have any sort of nostalgia factor for me at all. Speaking of, I don't know, Did you you read the Harry Potter books as they were coming out, right? I did. Except the
1: seventh one, which it turned out I'd never read. Have you read it since? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Did you think the book just ended after six? I just didn't remember. Like I was too old by the time the seventh oh, one came okay, out. Okay. Like I was solidly in university. I was not doing that kind of reading anymore. And I saw the final movie and I did not read the final book. And I just retconned in my brain that I had read the final book until <laughs> Marcel and I got to the final book while recording, Witch please. And I was like, Oh fuck. No, I have never read this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I have heard rumblings and rumors that people were guessing a lot of things of how it would end in between books five and six and six and seven. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I've heard one of them was that Neville was actually going to be the chosen one and they were going to play that up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then J.K. Rowling heard about this and then kept it to where Harry was the chosen one. Is there truth
1: to that? Not that I know. Um, And the problem is that any... Uh, purported truth to that would have to be affirmed by J.K. Rowling, who is an unreliable Which she will narrator. Which never do.
0: Never will ever do that. She just can't be trusted. Do you know what that Neville theory was? Or how he would have been the chosen one? I don't know how that would have played out.
1: I mean, he is. Like, like that's the revelation, right? That he could, could have, have been, been the it. chosen one every bit as much as Harry could have. And that like that actually happens in the books. And so when you realize that what actually happened is Voldemort decided it was Harry and by Mm -hmm. virtue of trying to kill Harry made him into the chosen one, then you realize that like it easily could have been Neville. And you can see a sort of way that the conclusion plays out where it's like, because the, um, Prophecy itself was unclear, then the question of who has the power to defeat Voldemort is also unclear.
0: Yeah, okay. That's what I understood and that's what I guess confused me about this fan theory is I felt like the book addressed this alternate reality situation, so I don't know what other way it could have gone. I'll have to do a uh, further deep dive in a future episode of Poderless, but we have a musical that you don't like to discuss. Yeah. Not so fast, Pass Mike. Hey, everyone, it's me, Editing Mike. How's it going? Oh, man, I've been in this whole episode. I've missed you all so dearly. Yeah, Pass Mike, we do have more of the play to discuss, but before we talk about the rest of the play, we gotta show love to our sponsors in a little segment that we like to call Wingardium at Pass Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Shaker and Spoon. Let's say hypothetically that you are a Hogwarts student and you're looking to throw some sort of party, but you can't go all the way to Hogsmeade. You want to still have it in the dorms, but you don't want to leave. You want to host this party at home. What's a way that you could do this? You could use Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a delivery service that sends you all of the ingredients and instructions to make various fancy cocktails. All you need to do is provide the booze, they provide everything else, and they provide you with enough to make four servings of three different drinks that all use the same liquor. I've done a bunch of boxes with Shaker and Spoon, they've all been fantastic, I've done it with whiskey, I've done it with tequila, I've done it with rum. Really good stuff, affordable stuff, and especially affordable if you go to shakerandspoon.com wizardon because you will get $20 off your first box, these boxes usually go between forty and fifty dollars, so that's about half price. That's a lot of savings. So go to shakerandspoon.com/wizardon, and you can make some fancy drinks for your friends, and everyone will think you are a very impressive human being today. And now you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once these ads are complete, we will get back to this episode of Potterless. bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. So after asking Dumbledore about Lost, Harry leaves. And then, when Dumbledore leaves, they have the... I guess conclusion to the pig farts joke in that Rumble Roar enters mm-hmm. and it's a guy wearing a bad lion mask mm-hmm. and he is says he's going to take Dumbledore to pig farts and then says, do you want to let him know that you're not actually dead? And he goes, no, pig farts is such a well-kept secret why don't we keep it that way? And this just made me confused of if Dumbledore's not dead, how is Harry here? And where were they? I I started thinking about it too much and then it made me upset.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You, there's like much in this musical. It does not hold up to thinking too hard. Mm-hmm.
0: I do think it's funny at its core of establishing that pig farts is real i think the joke of having something that is so outlandish and throughout the play the whole joke is like there's no way that this is actually real and then at the very end it is i think that's a funny joke it's been done in a lot of movies and stuff before i think that's great i think that could have been better if i didn't have all these other questions around it of how is dumbledore not dead i am confused where are they what's going on it made me completely lose sight of the things that I enjoyed about the joke they were going for.
1: Oh, again, the fact that you are holding together some form of like narrative and logical consistency in this show is absolutely baffling to me. (laughs) I'm
0: just I I try to give credit where credit is due, and I understand the archetype of the joke that they were attempting. I don't know that it landed, and I think that further complicating it with the Dumbledore thing didn't do him any favors.
1: I mean, it's fun to watch him ride a lion.
0: Uh huh. You, you know, silver lining to everything. <laughs> yeah. So then there's a Ron hype-up song, which I was not super keen on, mainly because it wasn't funny, and I felt like. Most of the other songs in this are comedic, which makes it enjoyable, so it just felt a little off-base to have what seems to be just a regular song in a comedic musical.
1: In fact, it seems to be trying to get a genuine emotional reaction out of you. And I have to say that I kept feeling like when the songs were trying to be genuine in the midst of such a sort of over-the-top, campy, silly production, I was like, I don't know why you think I'm ready to go here with you, but I am not ready to go here with you. Like, I am not moved by the plight of these characters because these characters are jokes exclusively. I feel like this song was a Les Mis reference. That's what it
0: felt like. Part of my brain was thinking, this might be a theater reference I'm not getting because it feels too serious to exist in this play. I felt like I had to have been missing a joke.
1: It felt like a Les Mis reference to me, particularly the sort of ensemble singing and the we're off to go do this thing and the rhythmic marching on the spot has a very Les Mis feel to it. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, it is kind of a theater illusion. I am not convinced that it was a theater joke. Mm -hmm. I think
0: it's one of the hardest things to make land in comedy is when you have an absurd thing, an absurd show, whatever it is, and you try to get genuine emotion out of it. I think it's something that only the best comedic things can do without being heavy-handed, and I think this just felt very heavy-handed. So Hermione joins in, then you're right, it's ensemble, so everybody kind of joins in, including Harry. He comes back. There is a moment in the song that I did really enjoy because it's a subtle reference to the Draco-Hermione thing, is that at one point when Hermione's trying to encourage Draco, she grabs Draco by the face, and the facial expression that Lauren Lopez's Draco makes here is just fantastic. It is just pure joy and elation and, oh my God, I can't believe she touched my face. And I thought it was really good. Yeah, she's charming. After they finished the song, they have barricaded the door on the side of the stage so that Voldemort can't get in. There's knocking and bumping on the door. Ron goes, oh, we've barricaded the door. It's fine. The barricade is just a single chunk of wood which is great low budget work and then what i love voldemort just walks around the door
1: <laughs> and, then he, and then he casts the killing curse on the barricade <laughs> it's <laughs> which is that was really very solid very funny
0: <laughs> it's so good this i felt like act two was just the highs and the lows i was all over the place <laughs> but that bit uh. yeah
1: there are moments there are absolutely moments that are like yes for sure <laughs>
0: Another good moment is that Voldemort goes, who are you going to use as a human shield this time, Potter? And Ron starts to step out, but Hermione has to grab him and pull him back.
1: (laughs) Imagine if they had taken this whole bloated, ponderous, three-plus-hour production and just edited it down to a tight 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. Think about how much funnier this all would have been if they had just, uh, you know, cut out all this chaff.
0: yeah. I think it would have been great had they known that it was going to be big and successful. I think they would have probably tried to do less and because of that they could have whittled it down. If they didn't try to do a joke about all seven books yeah. they could have just focused on the things that were working rather than try to cover all their bases. Harry then starts to get into the duel scene and what I actually appreciated about this is just because the eighth movie messed this up so poorly it was nice to see someone do the duel between Harry and Voldemort correctly.
1: This scene baffled me. I was like, he is literally just providing book exposition at this point. None of this is funny. None of this is a parody. You're literally just describing what happens in the book.
0: That is true. I just liked seeing <laughs> someone not fuck it up like they did in the eighth movie so royally. So yeah, he does a lot of the book's exposition saying you can't kill me or anyone. Then again, Voldemort, when Harry says that he can't kill anybody, he says, what the fuck are you on about? Which again, is just, uh, he, uh, we didn't need, it's not funny just a curse yeah but the one bit of this that i do think landed really well is that harry goes i was prepared to die for these people and then voldemort says but you didn't and then darren chris does a little bit of a hop and a head turn and goes yes but i meant to (laughs) which i thought that was really good that sent me (laughs) just a little hop of like yes but i meant to and that's the whole point (laughs) so then Harry does the part which happened in the book where he's trying to make Voldemort feel some sort of regret and he says there's gotta be one person one thing you regret and Voldemort stares off into the middle distance and a piano starts to go and I was like yes (laughs) choral reference and then he just screams no and then cuts it which I think landed well I like when they fake out that they're about to sing songs in a musical because in a musical anything goes and you can sing at any moment so it's fun when it's like oh here they go and then they stop it I appreciate that joke yeah
1: that would be the Use that joke a number of times in the second act the second act which is notably lacking in actual songs yeah maybe that's why i (laughs) did find myself being like maybe instead of psyching this out every time you could put some songs in this musical that would be nice
0: (laughs) (laughs) so then they do the spells which kills voldemort Mm -hmm. harry wins and then he starts aggressively making out with Ginny. which I didn't need. And then Ron and Hermione do an aggressively gross makeout. Again, very collegey, and college kids think it's funny. Oh, look, he licked her face. It's funny because people don't actually do that. Mm -hmm. The worst form of physical comedy. Right. Neville then comes in with Dumbledore's will, which I think is, again, a great joke because it's actually making fun of something in the books. It says, in the event of my death, Gryffindor wins the house (laughs) cup. Then, it's, good. it's a good joke. <laughs> which <is laughs> On brand, it probably would be there. Which also is fun because on the Potterails Patreon, I have at, like, you can list all the benefits and for all of them at the very end, I have N10 points to Gryffindor for every single thing. So every now and then, people will either email or make a little post that says, can my 10 points go to Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw or whatever? And I always reply and I say, well, Dumbledore would have just given the points to Gryffindor anyway, so what does it matter?
1: <laughs> I'm going to point out how many times you have said that Things are funny because they remind you of a thing you do, you know I just feel a kinship I like I, I,
0: I mean I'm not gonna- sh- i i think I think I'm very funny <laughs> I'm not gonna act like I don't who <laughs> I host a podcast where it's just me I'm in every episode' <laughs> You're like you know what's really funny me <laughs> I'm hilarious. <laughs> So then the will goes on. It says, Hogwarts goes to Harry Potter. My chocolate factory goes to Charlie and Toontown goes to the Toons, which I don't know. I think it would have been funnier if they stopped at chocolate factory, but I don't know if this is also because is Toontown a Roger Rabbit reference? I have not seen who's fr- who framed Roger Rabbit.
1: That is my understanding, yes. Okay,
0: cool. So I didn't know if that joke was, I thought it would have been funnier if they just left it at chocolate factory or if I was just like, I don't get the reference. So therefore this joke is bad. <laughs>
1: well you know rule of threes Mm -hmm. it is funny to leave hogwarts to harry potter that's very solid because he would be terrible at it hey
0: where was mcgonagall in this play now i'm yeah
1: mcgonagall's not where was mcgonagall yeah you can't have a Uh, real female character oh no oh no oh no they don't have any female professors no of
0: course not Oh, uh, there's no McGonagall. There's no Sprout. There's no Hooch. There's no Trelawney.
1: There's no Umbridge. I, Fuck. I really, Hannah, no. I'm really <laughs> appreciating how belatedly you're like, wait a minute. Wait, all a the second. women
0: are gone. Where are the late? I mean, they had Molly, so at least that's something.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Woo. Uh, yeah, no. Um, not strong. I do like the idea that uh, you can leave a school to somebody in your will because that's not how schools work. <laughs>
0: hey, it's a private school. Who knows? So Harry then says, oh, well, all the teachers are dead. So is on me. And then they leave. So then we get into a scene where Quirrell is leaving Azkaban. It's his last day. He's talking with a Dementor, which just funny that a Dementor is talking.
1: This is the final scene, right? Like the story yes, has concluded. And in lieu of the terrible epilogue we get in the books, this is the epilogue that we get. And it's great. It's a much better epilogue than the book epilogue. I
0: agree. And I think this is the most perfect and profound way to end the play, because I think overall, my favorite thing about the play is the Coral Voldemort dynamic and everything surrounding it. I think it's very funny. Draco being a very close. Yeah,
1: second. I'm going to say you misused the word profound just now, but otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> sure, it's a good way to end it.
0: <laughs> very close second of Draco, but I think that to end it with this dynamic, which is one of the more unique things that the play has done. I think that's a great choice, and I appreciated the scene. So Quirrell's talking to a Dementor. Funny that a Dementor is just talking. The Dementor says that all of the happy thoughts I've eaten from you were of this one guy. Do you want to talk? And Quirrell says no. And then the Dementor reveals that Voldemort is dead. So Quirrell falls to the ground, throws his stuff aside, and then... Pantomime skipping a stone across the water, which was very solid. And I laughed further about this because I was watching with closed captioning and they've manually entered the closed captioning. So it's all correct. But at this part in the closed captioning in brackets, they wrote skip, 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 skip <laughs> for every time you see his face do it. And that made Matt, that just made it twice as funny. <laughs> That's cute. So then you have Voldemort enter in a white hooded robe Mm -hmm. and then Voldemort comes in saying, hey you, which I love that we're just back to rom-com stuff. And he says that there's part of him that can't be destroyed and it lives in Quirrell's heart. He's all the way across the stage when he starts this line. So he has to run comically far to point to his heart when he does it. I don't know if this was intentional or otherwise, but I enjoyed that. And then the line that Quirrell says to him is, so you came back and Voldemort goes, I came home, (laughs) (laughs) which is very solid. And then there's a line which I had seen in GIFs a lot. Now I understand the context as Voldemort then says, you think killing people might make them like you, but it doesn't. It just makes people dead.
1: You know what? That's a really great lesson to take out of this whole thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If we can learn anything from this play, it's that. And then they do a reprise of Not Alone, which is very solid and then everyone comes in. I appreciated this as the way to get everyone back on stage and then just do a battle mm-hmm. rather than doing the classic walk people out one by one and clap and bow thing I thought that that was very unique and I appreciated that they went with something I wasn't expecting and sang the best song again so yep. I thought it was good.
1: They bring us back to one of the stronger songs in the whole thing and it is a cute way to end it like all of the other scenes this scene felt to me like it went on several beats longer than it needed to.
0: Yeah it could have been a little tighter. But
1: again it's like you, you gotta take into account the very specific conditions under which this thing was being performed a hundred
0: percent college kids for a college audience, not understanding what it was going to become.
1: Yep. So this is what I want to differentiate between my like, on the one hand, I don't think it's for me. I think some of it just like would have been improved had they realized that they were making this for the size of audience. It ended up being for, there's no way they could have predicted the way that this was going to go viral, but there are also like, this whole thing is deeply symptomatic of a lot of really distressing forms of thinking that have not been left behind in 2009 that are absolutely still mainstream forms of thinking. It's so rooted in this white masculine perspective that makes it possible to like write out half the female characters and you don't even notice. Yeah, Like they're so irrelevant to the story that you can like miss the fact that the char- almost all of the char- female characters are gone and all of the ones who are still present are positioned almost explicitly as objects of sexual desire to the male protagonists.
0: Yeah, not a very bechdel test passing production.
1: I mean, it's just the fact that so many people like this anyway is an indication to me of how much patience and tolerance people have for this kind of... Um, homophobic fat uh and sexist representation that people look at something like this and are like yeah 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 no it's awful but like isn't it still funny yeah and it's like sure there's there's little comic bits on the stage that are funny but like the fundamental flaws in this whole thing which i don't think can be excused by the fact that it's an amateur fan production make it just like Past the pale for me.
0: Yeah, I can understand. I think it's probably in the same vein for me of why I don't rewatch a lot of comedies that came out in this time period, even if I thought they were funny at the time. I don't think that comedy in general from this era ages very well. And it's the kind of thing where I still enjoyed watching this. There were a, a- chunk of moments and they all seem to happen in act two. There were some in act one, but there were some moments that made me uncomfortable and stuff enough to the point where I don't know that I'm going to be rewatching this. I also don't like musicals that much. So I don't know that I'm going to be like really coming back to watch this when I'm bored kind of thing. I can understand where you're coming from. I think what might be the reason why people give it more of a pass is partially because it is Harry Potter and Mm -hmm. this is what people like. I think it also could be a thing. I know that Starkid has done a lot more and my understanding is that they've been better in the future so maybe it could be people looking back on it more fondly because they know what the group has become and they've become more loving and accepting so they recognize that what this group made yes it wasn't perfect but they've evolved past it i think that could be a factor i also think uh, i was doing this for a live show prep of Potterless. there's uh there's not a lot of female characters in the book weirdly like jk wrote way more dudes in it just like by number of characters that have lots of lines. So I think that is also a factor. And then I, just, I, I think that because this thing was so trailblazing in the Harry Potter spinoff fan-made stuff, that I think people think of it more fondly in terms of like what it did necessarily than like what it is. So I I can see, I think everything you've said completely valid. I also can see why people still really like it and like give it a pass. And I see both points and I don't think that these things should be glossed over. I understand why some people do, but like I appreciate this play for the, the good that it did. I recognize it is not perfect and it's unfortunate that it has these things that are so reductive but i am hoping that their future stuff is not that and i will just have to see when i cover them but overall i enjoyed it but yeah i wish it would have just been more wholesome and less gross at times
1: wholesome i don't i'm like <laughs> less misogynistic yeah <laughs> That's the first time I've, I would like this to have less misogyny and more wholesome values. You know, yes, wholesome please. feminist values. Yes, yes,
0: please. I just <laughs> make, make more jokes about Harry Potter and less jokes about lol Hermione's a girl, you know? Yeah. And it's a shame because this play has so many moments of things that work that it's sad that it has the ones that don't, because you just want to point to the good ones and just say, just keep doing those. Just keep those.
1: I can also see how it would be one of those one of those fan properties that has continued to exist in the form of GIFs and recordings of the songs. Yes. And that when you're just pulling like a few key favorite jokes out and then listening right. to the songs, if that's the main way people are engaging with it, then it makes sense that people maybe have a, a fonder memory of it. Um, I wonder how often people are actually... Rewatching watching this because it's it's fucking so long man it's like two <laughs> 2.75 hours it is
0: it is approaching three hours you can't just casually watch a very potter musical no so i yeah i think that could be a factor is if you take pieces of something you look more fondly on it because you're only going to watch the funny bits or the funny songs or the gifts of the funny things no one's like oh let's watch the scene where ron is making fun of hermione for being fat And let's think about that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that could really contribute to more of the positive stuff is anytime you just take clips from something, you think it's better. That's why I look fondly to Space Jam because there's parts of Space Jam that are great and I don't watch the full film often and realize Michael Jordan is so fucking bad at acting.
1: (laughs) I recently rewatched Back to the Future with some friends. Oh, okay. It was a friend's choice for his birthday. So sort of like remote birthday celebrations. And... Mm -hmm. I have not watched back to the future as an adult and watching it. Wow. That movie aged badly, like shockingly badly. And the friend who had chosen it, I think by virtue of watching it with like a bunch of other people who are less familiar with it and are pointing things out, he was like, Oh shit, this is actually terrible. Like it's sexist. It's racist. It's, super fat phobic like it's full it's got like it plays rape scenes off for humor like it's an absolute nightmare but when you are really familiar with something i think there's a tendency to not necessarily look at that thing as critically until maybe the people who are targeted by the violence of the jokes in the thing like watch it with Mm -hmm. you and point it out like It's a lot easier as a white viewer to watch something with a lot of racism in it until you like recommend that film to a black friend. And then you're like, oh, fuck. But that's a really important reminder. Like, I think you should take to heart the fact that you watched this and weren't bothered by the lack of women until a woman pointed it out. Yeah. No, I don't feel great about it. What's that going to teach you about your own critical viewing practices? That's going to teach
0: me to be more aware. And that's a learning process that especially in these times right now, I need to learn as much as I can because I've got the I've got the big 3 strikes against me as a straight white male. I have so much learning to do about so many things. And that's why I had you on the podcast. So thank you for making me realize things in not a bad way.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Hannah, thank you so much for joining on the show. Uh, if people want to find you doing stuff on the internet and in podcast worlds, where can they do so?
1: You can find me on Twitter at HKP McGregor. And the podcast I'm currently making is called Secret Feminist Agenda. You can find it at secretfeministagenda.com.
0: Amazing. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining on. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, as they ride off on a lion to Mars, wizard on! (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully, it was a bit of escape for you from the world that's going out there. If you want to further escape, one of Multitude Shows' next stop is a very happy and upbeat show, and they just finished season one. It's a fun audio sitcom, so and now that the full season's over, you can just binge the whole thing in one go. Waiting sucks. Now you don't have to. Hooray! Potteros was created by McShubert. Schubert. It is hosted by McShubert. Schubert. It is edited by McShubert. Schubert. It is produced by McShubert Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Classer, Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary Marie Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Romina Rivadinare, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Sarah Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orkigur, Vivian the Owl, Haley Hastings, Moser, Alex Consilver, John Cotker, Noel Basile, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lufriede, J Sventsen, Summer Rathal, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addy, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amita, Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir, Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Morta Morrison, Eileen Gazesh, Keegan Curran, Mr. Folk, Maya Flor, Sake, Sirius Scars for Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Housk, Kovchowa, Elizabeth Christopherson, Michael David. Yordi Kelly, Otilio Kerry, Crumpler, Connie Beankowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Zapata Courtney, Marie Grieger, Ashen Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Fail on the Meadows family, Ginny From the Block, McKenna Tweedy, Heather Langeal, Brad Harding, Brianna Cusumano, Kevin Stewart, Laurie McDonald, Chrissy Tu, Jarls Five, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose Dow, Callahan and Darius Leah Reed, Melissa Robb, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's mom, T-Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me G.K. Have it your way, Sabrina Balsiker, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzin David Douglas, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki Bony Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Kelsey Gillespie, Taco Blowfish, Rikay Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rachel Mobbs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kittis, Colleen Waters, Laurel Happy, Rossanne Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda Hurley, Landon Schwach, Kendra Hertz, Natani Page, Yogan Chanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Richard Johnson, Sandra Rose, Krevnik Roberts, Andren Kaufman, K.A. Robb, Steve Trelore, Lior Nachum, Angela Hill, Julia Buzak, Demi Lynn, Kelsey Welles, Michael Beck, Calista Delano, she who doesn't have to be named, L. Kringle, Love Cash Longer, Jennifer and Crystal Pollard, Henrique Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Jerica Law, Michelle. Spurgeon, Casey Canales, Megan Stempin, Let's Hit a Thousand Patrons, Serenity, Alan, Jax, G, Sophia Lyons, Sot, Matthew Babbitt, Dane Nemcher, Rochelle Unamaz, Kirsty, Robin Garcia, Chick Parr, Mermaid and Her Daddykins, Aaron Uggs, Not My Daughter, You Biotch, Steamed Nuggets, and carrot Tie Web designed by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamandas. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash Potterless, twitter.com slash Pod, Instagram.com slash Podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to patreon.com. slash Potterless. And for merch, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether you reach out directly or leave a rating interview online, that really does help. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, as I say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on!